Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 97 of Radiance, my original Fallout fan fiction. There's only going to be Radiance this week, because I'm taking a little week off since the end of Enemy of My Enemy. But next week we will be starting up with The Chronicles of Clan Mason. It's not exactly a long um, series, that being only about 12 chapters long, but each chapter is usually double to triple the size of a standard chapter. Given that the standard chapters of things like Hybrid Wars, etc. are about 6,000 words, these are about twelve to 18,000, so they take a little bit more time to do. So, we'll start that up next week, and we'll take it from there. And then, after that, we'll be starting Hybrid Wars. But, as always, if you can like, share and subscribe to this wherever you can, either at fanfiction.net, archiveofverone.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. I always enjoyed listening to what you guys have to say and what you're feeling about the latest chapters and how you're feeling it's going. So, don't be shy. Stop by and say hi. And if you do stop by at ghostnobody.com, check out Storm Rider. I mean, there's plenty to like there. Big moody dragonesses, orcs, elves, big battles, and some Norse mythology and Celtic paganism thrown in for good measure. What's not to like? Bit of everything for everyone. And if you also pop by at ghostnobody.com, Check out the ghostly link section. Follow the links through to Mortis. Pick yourself up a copy of my original zombie apocalypse fiction involving crazy cat girls from space, moody alien one, uh, moody human one-legged snipers, and a whole host of zombies. Pick it up. You might enjoy it. Help me keep keep me doing what I enjoy. Bring an unlikely alien and, well, I suppose fantasy girl romance to you, good people. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first, the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own Fallout or anything to do with it. That's all Bethesda. I mean, I'll just keep the crazy tales for myself and keep praying for Starfield. Where the hell is Starfield? Let's get on with the show. Chapter 97. Fixing a Broken Soul. Just as Leah was about to pounce on the prone and rather nervous-looking Raymond... There was an urgent banging at the door that made Leah snarl in frustration and irritation. What and who is it? she demanded loudly. It's uh, Abigail, dearie, and I'm really sorry to interrupt your private time with your man of yours, but I have something of an emergency on my hands that needs you both. May I come in? The voice of the mother hen who ran the place came through the door. Leah glanced at Raymond with a look of concern that barely masked her irritation. One moment, my male needs time to cover himself, and what he is his is for my eyes only. So if you wish to keep them, do not attempt to open that door, Leah said sternly. Uh, understood, dearie, Abigail stammered, obviously surprised by Leah's aggressive command. She wasn't obviously used to dealing with claws quite yet. Raymond sighed heavily and reapplied his clothing as quick as he could. Nervous he'd been about what was about to happen, he was also excited to be on the receiving end of Leah's attentions, because at least, if anything, they were honest and they were pure. If you'd give, you had to give Claws one thing, they never hid their intentions from you. You knew where they, you stood with them from all times. All right, you may enter now. Leah said, opening the door lock and allowing the mother hen to step nervously into the room to face down the wrath of a denied claw. 
Raymond felt a tick trickle of guilt at that, at being happy that it was her on the receiving end of the iron, not him. I'm so sorry for the interruption, dearies. I know this was a special night for the pair of you, but we have a rather strange situation downstairs. One of the feather guard has come looking for you specifically, and she seems, um, desperate. She burst in, demanding to see the strangers from the ground world. The ones here to make the peace treaty between us and the Brotherhood. She said it's the utmost important that she speaks with you. A matter of life or death, she said. Abigail explained nervously. Both Raymond and Leah looked at one another again, and a deep note of concern passed between the pair as Leah nodded a large horned head. Passions can wait. This requires our attention right now, she said, and Raymond nodded. Go grab Zixie. My gut instinct tells me we're going to need her help. I'll go and meet this feather guard, Raymond said, and Leah nodded and vanished as Raymond turned to Abigail. Take me to her, then, he said, and Abigail looked relieved, as if he would refuse her request. Thank you, Raymond. I knew you were a good soul, so I did, she said, and she quickly bustled off with him in hot pursuit. As they reached the lobby of the inn, Raymond spied a single and very nervous-looking and somewhat distraught-looking female Valkyrie, who to his eye kind of looked like an eagle, with feathers as black as an oil slick, but with patches of red and white here and there, along with a long, luscious, fan-like tail that was tucked up against her back while she sat waiting for them. "'I'll leave you in peace to talk, laddie. Take your time,' Abigail said before vanishing back into her room. As soon as she spotted Raymond, she ran to him, her massive talons clattering on the wooden floor. "'Are you the, el the leader of the that the elders spoke of? Raymond?' she inquired quickly, and with a desperate note in both her eyes and voice. "'That's me, and who might you be?' he asked. "'My name is Jewel. I'm one of the Feather Guard, an officer, and I need your help desperately. The elders tell me that you have humans in your group, and that you know a lot about them, correct?' she said quickly, causing Raymond's eyebrows to shoot up and a hard note of caution to seize hold of his heart. Yes, that's true. Why do you ask? He said, before suddenly a little voice began to echo around in his mind. Because she'd done something horrible and needs help to fix it. Accept a request, Raymond. There is a soul here in dire need of help and we must go quickly. I feel it, Zixie said directly into his mind. Because I I need your help. I I I was granted a human servant from the Brotherhood, a captured soldier, taken the last time they exalted our lands. He was spared a death sentence for what his people did, on the one condition that he serves me as my indentured attendant. Uh, and I made a horrible mistake, and now he's injured and I don't know what to do or how to fix it. Please, you have to help me. Jewel cried, grabbing Raymond's massive hand in both of hers, just as both Leah and Zixie appeared on the stairs. Leah snarled as soon as she saw Jewel gripping Raymond's hand in desperation. And hand my mail at once, she snapped, and Jewel let go without a second of hesitation. My, my apologies. I, I, I did not mean to touch what I was not invited to. But, but I am desperate. My, my servant... Needs help, and I don't know where to turn. Please, I do not wish him to suffer for my mistakes. Please help me. 
she said now in a voice sounding even more and more desperate by the second. Take us to him at once and quickly, Raymond said. Jewel's bright eyes lit up and her head nodded vigorously. Follow me, please, quickly, she exclaimed and rushed out the door with the trio now in hot pursuit. She led them to the city, to her house. That obviously belonged to her. As soon as the four burst in, Zixie rushed past them with a speed that no one even knew she was capable of, dashing into what appeared to be the bedroom. And instantly the sound of someone being tackled and a struggle was heard. Raymond and Leah dashed after her and instantly saw her wrestling with what looked to be a white-skinned, young-looking human male that was covered in a litany of marks and had what looked to be quite deep talon cuts to his chest. He was holding a rather sharp-looking knife and was apparently trying to stab himself with it. That was until Zixie had intervened. "'Stop it! You can't take this from me too! I won't live like this! I won't!' the man yelled desperately. Raymond dashed forward and seized the man's left wrist, lifting him up by the arm, making the man's eyes go as wide as dinner plates with fear, as he truly saw now who had hold of him. A, a, a super mutant? Here? Impossible! he exclaimed, but Zixie used this momentary distraction and darted out a green little hand and slapped it to his face. Sleep now, tormented one, she commanded and right on cue the man's eyes rolled up into his skull, and he went limp in Raymond's grasp. "'Adam, what did you do to him?' Jewel shrieked and dashed to the side of the bed. "'He's not injured, merely sleeping, and he will remain that way until I say so. Safer for everybody, I think, given his current state of mind. A state, I might add, which is your fault. I do believe you would care to explain to my dear friends here—' Or would you rather me wish to tear the memories from your mind and show them myself? So what's it to be? Honest words or forced memories? Zixie said in a surprisingly cold voice. Raymond had never heard the little alien be so angry or speak this way in her life. Jewel stammered now, her eyes darting between the three as she suddenly realised the combined strength of the three beings in her home. I... I will tell you honestly, she said. Zixie nodded approvingly. Good. You will do this while I tend to his wounds. And do yourself a favour. Do not embellish or misdirect. I see every one of your memories like an open book. Do not stray from them, or I will know, she said coldly, and quickly went to fetch a a bowl of water and some towels, as well as some clean bandages, to go with the stim pack that she'd brought with her from their supplies. While she got to work, Jewel turned to Leah and Raymond and began her tale of woe. I... I raped him. I forced him to do these things against his will. I got so caught up in my role as his mistress that I just kept telling myself that it was fine, that he was fine, that it was his duty to serve me. But I never meant to hurt him, or to treat him so vilely. I swear it to you. I I actually wanted to make it a joyful experience for him. One that I hoped he would wish to repeat a great many times with me. But I was so lost in the fog of my own lust, and my own self-delusion. And I was so deluded by the rush of my own power over such a beautiful being that I just drowned in my own selfishness. 
I never saw what it was doing to him, both physically and mentally, until it was way too late. I hurt him, in so many vile ways, just with my wants alone. And he, like the honourable man he is, never wavered from the oath that he swore to me. He gave me everything I demanded of him, and so much more, while I didn't even see what it was doing to him inside. I'm a fucking monster, Jewel said, breaking down in tears and sinking to her knees now on the floor as floods of tears ran down her beak. Leah looked like she was ready to explode next to him, and Raymond had to place a large hand quickly on her chest, causing her to look at him. Words only. Violence has no place here. There's been too much of that already, he said warningly, and she blew out a long snort, but eventually nodded her head. If you were part of my pack, you would be executed for such a vile thing. To abuse one's partner, one's mate, the lowest form of abuse there is, save for that of hatchlings. That male put his trust in that oath that you swore to him, and that you would treat him well, with kindness, respect, with grace. And you gave him none of those things. You saw only what you could do, and what you could take, and what he could do for you. And you took those things, those wonderful gifts, from him. Those gifts that were only supposed to go to his most beloved one. The one who had earned the right to them. The one who had hunted him honestly, and without deception, on equal footing. Gift and rewards that were supposed to be earned, and yet you stole them from him. Every single one of them. Leah snarled with a voice that was colder than ice, but hotter than fire all at once. Jewel nodded as the tears ran off her beak and dripped onto the floor of the, of the hut. And she looked at the floor directly in front of her, not daring to raise her eyes to the three of them. I know. Please believe me when I say it was never my intention to harm him, either physically or mentally. I truly never meant to go this far, to take him like that. But, but I lost myself. I got drunk on the power that I held over him, and it corrupted me. Please help him. I deserve this pain, but he does not. Please help him, Jewel said, sounding so lost and small. Raymond actually managed to rein in the surging anger burning up in his soul from the inside. He glanced at Zixi, who was watching closely from her place on the bed next to the freshly cleaned and bandaged human male called Adam. She nodded. She speaks the truth in every word. She was honest in both her intentions and her actions, as well as their causes. She did not deviate, as I instructed her to do so. She bared her soul and her shame before you. She said. Raymond sighed heavily and nodded. I find the very act of slavery vile to its core. There's a good number among my group who are former slaves themselves, and the fact that they survived it and their vile ravages is nothing short of a miracle. No living being should be bound in chains, ever. Prisoner, I could have understood for what his people have done to yours. A prisoner of war is an understandable mercy, but this, this is wrong. Plus, I will be honest, I do not know how to fix him, or if such a thing is even really possible at this point. His trauma is mental rather than truly physical. 
the wounds you caused will heal, but an emotional and psychological trauma, far different. The mind is a much harder thing to heal than the body, and sometimes it's just not possible, Raymond said flatly. Please, you have to try. Please, I'll do anything. Just bring him back, Jewel said, begging now on her hands and knees before them. Zixi suddenly jumped down off the bed and strode right up to her, staring right into her eyes with those expressionless, jet-backed jewels of hers. So, you say you'll do anything? She said, and Jewel nodded. I swear it. This is my fault. I broke something beautiful. Now I must be the one to end it. Please, I'll do anything. I just need to know how, she said, and Zixi glanced up at Raymond. With your permission, boss, she said, and he nodded. Well, you're the expert when it comes to the mind, Zix, he said, and she nodded. All right, then. Sit here and do not move, Zixie said, pointing to the bed next to Adam. Jewel nodded, moving to do as she was told. Zixie climbed up onto the bed, took a few deep breaths and centred herself. Do not resist me. It will get unpleasant for you if you do, she said, and with that she reached out and once again touched her head causing Jules' eyes to close before she reached out and touched Adam's head as well, connecting the three of them together. Zixi found herself in a dark, void-like place, filled with silence and blackness in every direction. What is this place? Jules' frightened voice said from her left side somewhere. This is his mind, more accurately. The part of his mind his consciousness has retreated to since I sent him into his own dreams to prevent him from harming himself. It's a place of protection, where he's hidden from the memories he does not wish to see or relive, Zixi said. It, it, it's so dark and empty, Jewel said, and Zixi nodded before remembering that she couldn't see her. Yes, that's kind of the point. To let one memory in risks letting them all in. It's a form of repression to protect his conscious mind from the depth of his subconscious. A barrier, if you will, but one that needs to come down. He needs to see that what happened was not only not his fault, but he was not wrong for allowing his honour to prevent him from saving himself. He needs to see and confront how he feels, but he needs to see the truth of your feelings as well. He will need to see the truth, raw and unfiltered, so that we may be walked through it, Zixi said. Oh, okay. I think I can understand that. But how do we do it exactly? Jewel asked. I will handle that part. What we need to do first is find him in here. This place plays by his rules, and the mind is a powerful thing. We are intruders in here. And it will try to mislead us and misdirect us. But follow me, and trust me, don't believe your eyes. They will lie to you in here, Dixie said. As they began to walk, the first thing that they encountered was an odd stone corridor, full of doors, the sort that kind of had numbers on them. Both Zixi and Jewel wandered down the corridor, which looked like it had been dropped right out of an underground bunker by the abundance of grey concrete in the walls. As they walked along the corridor, Zixi kept touching the doors and closing her eyes until seemingly she found what she was looking for, and she opened it. Beyond it appeared to be a Brotherhood base. 
and once they stepped through, the door closed and they stood there, looking at an image of Adam training alongside his brothers and sisters. Adam! Jewel yelled in joy as she saw him, but Zixi held up a hand to stop her rushing forward to him, and she looked down in confusion at the little alien woman. That's not him, merely a memory of his. Like I said, your eyes will lie to you in here. Even though this would be from his point of view, realistically, his mind's creating an environment, everything we now see that we now stand in. Step back and just watch, Zixi said, pointing. You think the elders are going to give the order to roll over these fucking feather brains? One of the Brotherhood soldiers asked another. Hey, brother, now don't call them that. They can't help who they are or what they were born. The same as you can't. How would you feel if you were born to them and they had somebody like us just persecuting them for it or some doing the same to us, just persecuting us for being human? Adam said, turning to look at his brothers in arms. Oh, don't tell me you're one of them fucking feather lovers as well. The t one of the tall and well-built soldiers snorted. If he is, then I am as well. We are meant to be an example to others, to uphold night. Bigotry and prejudice are not the principles on which this great brotherhood was founded. The great chain does not care who you are or what colour you are. Hell, if you read the tenets properly, it doesn't even truly care what species you are. It only cares that you adhere to the tenets, respect your brothers and sisters and follow the rules. They did not choose to be born, brother, same as we didn't. But here we all are. Do not underestimate these people... And yes, I said that right, they are people, a tall, muscular black woman said from his left. Yes, Paladin, understood, the agitator said, hanging his head and refusing to look at her. So there are others within the Brotherhood who believe as he does. He was right, Jewel said, and Zixi nodded and pointed at another door. Let's move on, there's more to see here and to understand. She said, and the pair headed for the door, moving through it into another corridor, much like the one before it. Once again, Zixi walked with her hand up, touching the doors until she stopped before a large blue-coloured one. This one next, she said, and she opened it, stepping through. This time they found themselves in a place that looked like a boot camp, with a much younger-looking Adam training, looking a lot thinner and malnourished than he had in the last memory. Looked like he'd just been plucked off the streets of the wastes, but there was still a lean hardness and sharpness to him. Adam turned to one of the other initiates next to him, a white girl about the same age as he, but by the look of her, much better off in life by the lean, hard muscles and much better frame to her body. I can't believe the Brotherhood accepted my application. I'm so excited to be a part of something like this, to actually be, make a difference to go out there in the world for all the good, you know? He said with an obviously excited note to his voice. Despite the obvious ravages on his body, his eyes were bright. To be able to make a difference in this world, to do some real good, or you know? He said with an obviously excited note in his voice. Despite the obvious ravages on his body, his eyes were bright and sharp. It was hard for even Zixi to not take an immediate liking to the surprisingly handsome human. She saw what Jewel had seen him the first time now. Speaking of Jewel, there was such a look of self-loathing on her face now. 
as she looked at him and saw his excitement and enthusiasm, despite his obviously hard life to this point. Zixi got the feeling that far up there in their gilded floating birdcage, the Valkyries had been lulled into thinking that most humans lived a life of luxury, free of real hardships. Yeah, I know, right? I was so stoked when I encountered that paladin, and she was so impressed with my combat prowess and street knowledge that she hired me on as a guide. She took me down to this cave network where they were looking for some old power generator that the old mining company that used to own the place used. Well, I knew the place like the back of my hand. Every summer, me and my pa used to go in there and clear out any feral ghouls that had moved in. Pa had this foolproof method. We'd sneak up onto this old boom crane and sit in the basket. There we'd just set off this siren with a bright flashing light on top of it and it would bring all the ghouls running, and then we'd just pick them off one at a time, the girl said with a grin. Smart. They picked me up because of my knowledge of local tech. There was a scav and a scrap dealer. Sell whatever I could find out there, but sometimes people would pay me to go out looking for specific things. And I never once failed to get them. And that's what they needed, I think, Adam said proudly. No wonder they picked you up then. What with their obsession with old tech and all, the girl said, and Adam smiled and nodded. Yeah, and I'm not going to let them down. They've given me this chance, and I'm going to go out there and show the world that the Brotherhood is a force for good. I'll show the people of the Waste that they can rest easy knowing that the Brotherhood's got their backs, he said proudly. At this memory began to fade. Zixi pointed to another door, and Jewel followed along until they found themselves back in yet another corridor again. Zixi once again began to feel her way along the doors, until she found the right one and entered it. This one showed Adam as a teenager. He looked so lost and alone. He was looking at the remains of a caravan that had been hit by raiders. He was washing from a nearby bush as they picked it clean, dragging two of the captured caravan guards away with them, while all the rest of the traders, including some others, lay dead in the dirt along with their prak brahmin. When the raiders were gone, he made his way over to two of the bodies, a man and a woman, who looked remarkably similar to him in many ways, and he just collapsed to his knees and began to sob uncontrollably as he clutched at their bullet-reddled and lifeless bodies. His parents, Zixi said, and Jewel's hands came up to her beak in horror. No, no one should ever see such a thing, let alone a boy of his age, she gasped in horror. Yet another door materialised, and they walked through it back into the corridor again. Hmm. Somehow this set feels much closer to the surface. I think these are newer memories, Zixi said, as she walked along touching the doors until she found one that called to her. As they stepped inside, they found themselves in a briefing room. There we presented the sight of Adam in his power armour, arguing with what must have been a paladin, about how they shouldn't just be simply attacking the Valkyries and how they should be trying to talk to them and maybe even make peace. It was obvious from the paladin's responses and demeanour that he had no intention of listening to him, and pretty soon the memory fast-forwarded to the night of his patrol, and how the paladin decided to kick off an attack on the Valkyries despite it being against their main orders, and Adam's protests alike. But he still joined in the attack, because, like the good soldier he was, he followed his orders. So he did fight against it. He protested the way they were treating us. 
There are more among those their number who do not wish to attack us. They wish to make peace with us. Joel said, her voice sounding so completely confused and lost. Did you doubt him when he said this to you? Sixie said, and Joel just shrugged. In part, yes. I felt that it might be just him trying to appeal to our sense of honour. But I truly see now that he did mean every word he said to me. This makes me feel even worse than I already do, she said, and Zixie nodded. Good, you deserve to, she said flatly and coldly, and Joel did not argue with her as they just walked on through the memory. They saw his capture, his imprisonment, his trial, and subsequent enslavement, and Zixie referred to, it, referred to it as indented servitude because slavery, by whatever pretty name you call it, was no different. They saw the promises Jewel made to him, and they saw his embarrassment and shame as he was made to strip off before the two tailors, and Zixie glared at Jewel as she listened to his inner voice, outlining his feelings on the matter, like a monotone narrative. I, I had no idea that he felt such shame and grief over this. How could I not see this? I mean, how would I have felt if it had been I that was captured, and this was done to me? Of course he would feel shamed and humiliated by being forced to do such a thing in public against his will, she said in a voice dripping with sadness and grief. The memory continued to scroll onward until they came to the night of the bath, and they saw his confusion, his excitement, his obvious attraction to her, the subsequent confusion caused by this attraction itself, his hidden joy at making her feel such pleasure with his fingers and what he did but then of his shock and his fear in her change of attitude towards him, his fear of her aggression and his silent pleas for it not to go too far. And then what they saw next enraged Zixie beyond words and broke Jewel to the point of collapse into a sobbing mess as they watched her selfish and uncaring treatment of him, her ignoring his pleas. They felt his disgust, his sadness, his grief at his treasure now stolen from him of how dirty and worthless and used he felt. Jewel screamed at the sky in pure grief. I never meant it to be this way. I never meant to make him feel like that. I wanted to make him feel good. I wanted him to make him happy. I wanted to take the pleasure he'd given to me and make him revel in it. I wanted him to see me not just as his mistress, but as a true woman, as a powerful and powerful proud Valkyrie woman who was fierce, in control, but also someone who would reward him, who would care for him, someone he could trust, maybe even if I'm 100% honest with myself, even love in time. But I took his trust and I pissed on it. I ruined everything. I defiled him, desecrated him, took his most sacred thing from him and stole something that I can never get back, his honour. Jewel screamed in lostlessness. Zixi walked up to the sobbing woman, and as she looked up, she slapped her hard across the face with such force that it shocked the young Valkyrie woman, and she lifted her hand to her slapped cheek. You have zero right to feel fucking sorry for yourself. Look what you have done. Look at what you have caused. All because you left your selfishness rule you. This man was not completely innocent, as he was a soldier, 
but you took the trust that he was placed in you, that he was forced to place in you, and your promises to him, and you spat on them. You did this, not he, so quit feeling fucking sorry for yourself and get on your fucking feet. You swore to me that you wanted to fix this, and this screaming and wailing solves fucking nothing. So get the fuck up and follow me, Zixi said in that ice-hot voice of hers again. Obediently, Jewel got to her feet and followed the little alien as she marched across the room to the newly formed door. And when they opened it this time, they found themselves not in a corridor, but in a black room, with a small circle of light in the centre of it. And curled up in the centre of that circle was Adam. Adam! Jewel yelled, and when she went to rush forwards, until Zixi grabbed her arm, despite her size, she held fast. No, you have not earned the right to touch him, so you will not. In here, you play by his rules, not by yours, she said, and Jewel looked at her once again, then the light circle. That's when she realised it was crackling with electricity. It was a trap of some kind. Last line of defence. His mind's last way of keeping you out of his thoughts. Should you cross that line uninvited, you'll be expelled from his mind with quite a shunt. And the results would be... Unfortunate, Sixie said as she approached the circle. Is Adam a psychic or something? Jewel asked, looking at the golden circle of light in confusion, and Zixi shook her head. No, but the sentient mind is a powerful thing that should never be underestimated. The very fact that it has the capability to lock his conscious mind in here, behind that defensive wall, just to keep him alive, should tell you that, she said. So what do I do? I have to help him, Jewel said, looking at the circle in a lost and forlorn way. Oh, it's simple, but not easy. Now, we show him the truth of not only your words, but of your feelings, and we make him believe them. She said, and Jewel looked surprised. What, what, what feet? She began, Zixi held up a single hand to cut her off. If you lie to me just once, I'll pull the plug and leave you on your own. I am a fucking psychic, remember? She said, crossing her arms over her little chest and glaring up at her menacingly. Jewel glanced at Adam's sobbing form and curled now into a fetal position. How do I show him that I love him? How do I cons convince someone I barely know that he changed my life and made me happy in ways I can't even begin to understand myself, let alone explain to him? How the hell do I tell someone that I'm supposed to fucking hate with my entire being that they're the most beautiful creature that I've ever seen with my own two eyes, and that I would do anything on this earth to take that pain away that I caused him and carry it for him myself. How do I do that? Jewel asked forlornly. Well, for one, you just did. And two, we don't just show him. She said, Jewel looked confused, until she saw Zixi pointing, and that's when Jewel turned around and found Adam standing there staring at her. How can I ever believe you again, Jewel? I trusted you. And not only did you break bro broke your word to me, you betrayed me. Betrayed my trust. Used me. Abused me. Hurt me. Defiled me. And raped me. How the hell could I ever begin to trust you again? 
Adam said, staring at her with an expression that was bereft of emotion. It kind of reminded Zixi of one of those glass-eyed dolls you saw in a department store. Jewel hung her head. I know. I simply do not have the words to tell you how sorry I am, Adam. I never meant for any of this to happen. I never meant to make you feel any of those things. To hurt you the way I did. I, I got so lost in the power that I held over you. And it got so mixed up with the way that I was feeling about you that I just couldn't stop it. What I was feeling about you scared me to my very core. I'm a proud Valkyrie warrior. I, I, I'm not supposed to love a human. You're supposed to be my enemy. Someone I hate, purely on principle. But I simply couldn't hate you. You were nothing like I'd been described to us, or what we'd seen before. You were kind, understanding, of us and of our plight. You were honourable, and you were willing to sacrifice your own life if it only meant that we'd give your brothers and sisters a chance to live. I've never seen anyone do something like that before. So how could I not look at you differently? You changed me that day. Those words changed me. Changed my view and it scared me. But then I began to look at you. Truly look at you. And I just didn't like what I saw. I loved it. Your every curve. Your smooth and clear skin. Your pretty fur. Your bright and intelligent eyes. I found myself both desiring you in ways that I felt both wrong and right at the same time. It felt so taboo but so good at the same time. And it scared me. But that's when I saw a way to have my seed and eat it, too. The power that I held over you. The control. I saw a way that I could give, make you give me the thing that I wanted the most. And in so doing, I could show you how I felt truly with my actions without having to say the words that made me feel such shame. But I didn't do that. Power and control and lust blinded me. They drowned me and unleashed something in me that shames me in a way so strong I couldn't even begin to put it into words. What I did to you wasn't just wrong, it was vile. And I'm so deeply sorry, Adam. If you always hate me from now on, I'll understand. And I swear I'm going to put in an appeal on your behalf for the elders to commute your sentence as served now due to undue suffering caused under my care. That way, at the very least, you'll be free of me, she said, her voice sounding so forlorn. But when Jewel looked up, she hadn't even realised that Adam wasn't even looking at her. He was looking at the world around them. And that's when Jewel realised they weren't in the black room anymore. They were in the memories again. But these memories weren't his. They were hers. Around them, her voice had matched her inner monologue as she'd been speaking to Adam, who'd been playing images from the last couple of days as well as what appeared to be flashes of her life past and present, as well as things like past boyfriends letting her down, betraying her trust, dumping her because of insecurity due to her strength, among other things. Truth isn't just words. It's memories. That's pure truth. And since you said you'd do anything and did agree to do anything to help him. I took the liberty of reaching into your head to fill in the gaps your words left, and I showed him the truth of your words, the pure truth, Zixi said. 
Adam turned to look at her now, but there wasn't that glassy expression on his face anymore. There was life, and it was confused. You, you, you were in love with me? He asked, and Joel hung her head and nodded. Yes, Adam, and I have no idea how it happened, or how it happened so quickly. But I am, and I understand that you hate me for what I've done, and nothing will ever make up for it, she said. There is one thing, Adam said, and she looked up at him now with a shock on her face. What? she asked. Simple. Help me stop the war. Help me show you that your people are not, we are not the evil or bad people you believe us to be, and the same is true of you. And also, free me, she said, and cocked her head now in confusion. How do I do it? she asked. Say it loud and proud. If you truly believe this way, if you truly feel this way about me, then declare it. Do not hide it. Say it not just to me, but those to sh who will shock the most. If you truly love someone, you shouldn't hide it from the world. You should always be proud of them and the way you feel about them, he said. But, but what if they kicked me out? I doubt a brotherhood would take me in now, would they? Joel exclaimed. You don't know that and neither do I. But if you truly feel the way you do about me, you'll take the chance for me now, won't you? He said. Put it this way. If they do kick you out, and the Brotherhood, you'll have a place among us, but on one single condition, Sixty said, drawing their attention, and they turned to look at her. What condition? they both asked. Simple. If he truly forgives you, we'll accept you as we do not have rapists in our ranks. It's a crime we never forgive. Trust me when I say Seven does not forgive people like that, and what you did was beyond wrong. But as the wronged party here, Adam has the final say on it. If he forgives you, I won't stand in his way. But he must be convinced, because I will know if he's not. And let's just say Seven trusts me and my judgment, she said. Jewel looked to Adam right in the eye. I'll do it. Whatever it takes, I'll prove myself and my love to you. I'll earn back your trust, Adam, if it takes me a lifetime to do it. You're not my servant, or anyone else's, and I refuse your service, because it does not belong to me. Now, I will stand tall and proud, and I will give my heart a voice, and I will make them hear it. If I'm exiled, so be it. I'd rather live free and whole than caged and broken. I love you, Adam, and I'm not going to stop saying it until I prove it true. She said, and suddenly the circle was gone. Adam stepped forward, and suddenly Jewel felt his arms around her. I forgive you, but never treat me like that again. Because if you do, he began, but it was Vixie who sent, finished the sentence. We'll kill you where you stand. And trust me, you'll hope it's one of us that does it, because if it's seven, he'll do it slow, she said. Jewel just broke. She began to weep and threw her arms around Adam. Never again. I swear to you, Adam, never again. I will never, ever hurt you again. I will die to prove myself to you, and I will earn this chance that you've given me. I swear it on my soul, she said. That is a price we accept. And if you don't honour it, I'll be the one to collect, Sixie said. 
before the sharp snap of her fingers, the three of them woke up. Yeah, so that was chapter 97, ladies and gentlemen. But what will happen now? I mean, there's been some barriers crossed here and some wounds mended. going to be a little hard for Adam to fully accept what was done to him and to mend and heal and move on from it, I think. But this is definitely a step in the right direction. But will it lead to a peace with the Brotherhood? Or will this lead to something else? Can only be one way to find out the answer to those questions, and so many more. Gonna have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you all next time.